start, I was just like, wow, I'm really nauseous. And I'm like, this is gonna go away. This will go away when the sun comes up, and it just never went away. I was like, dry heaving and all the fun stuff and puking and all that. Welcome back to the first episode of September. It is fall, it's back to school. It is time to get cozy with a warm, warm coffee. Maybe we start thinking about pumpkin spice soon. I love fall, especially after a summer that has been very hot at times and some time in Europe that's been very hot. I'll get more into our trip to Europe and Katie's wedding on another episode, maybe a mini solo to go over how much fun that was, traveling with a toddler and non-running related things. But for this episode, we get to talk about mental toughness. So this is a great one personally for me to listen to and edit now because 10 days from now I have Wham 100. So that race goes up and around Whistler, 6,000 meters of climbing, which is 20,000 feet over 100K. If you know what that means, you know that's a lot of climbing. Sometimes I find it's hard to visualize, but for example, Adrian was talking about Mohican having 3,000 meters or 11,000 feet over 100 miles and that being a lot of climbing. So we're about to double that in a shorter distance. But as you know, I don't like to run. I like to hike uphill as fast as I can. So that's a good fit. And it should be a lot of fun. I'm sort of going into it with an adventure mindset because with the amount of travel we've done, it hasn't been perfect training. So the expectations have to match that, but it will be really fun to go to an epic local mountain with a great race series and race with some friends. And I'm looking forward to that. Today's episode is with Alyssa Clark and she's been on the show before and done some amazing things. She's run 95 marathons in 95 consecutive days. She's run 300 miles. She has mountaineered up Mount Whitney and been totally terrified. And I really am looking forward to getting into this episode and seeing how she gets out the door every day to train for these things, how she deals with it mid-race, mid-adventure when things hurt. I mean, 300 miles, you've got to go to some dark places. But we get into everything mental toughness. She talks about her lows and how to get through those. So there's just a lot of really good, valuable tips. Before we get into today's episode, a quick word from our sponsor. We are sponsored by MetPro. So we had an episode a few weeks ago, if you want to find more about them, with Angelo. And MetPro is a world-renowned concierge nutrition, fitness, and lifestyle coaching company. But how they're working for our audience is they will give you a 30-minute consultation with an expert for free at metpro.co backslash TRW to go over what you are eating during training, during runs, and in your life and make sure that it's enough. And if you need to add more, they're going to help you add more. So we are learning that the amount of fuel it takes to perform at our best is often quite a bit more than we have been told or that we think and that goes back to other nutritionists we've had on the show talking about getting up to 450 calories per hour on a long run but how do we get there so metpro helps to bridge the gap depending on where you're at now which is another theme that we're hearing from all of our nutritionists so i'm excited to have this offer for you guys again it is ww W. When's the last time anybody said www? It's metpro, M-E-T-P-R-O dot C-O backslash T-R-W. And I will link to that in the show notes as well. And you can talk about where your metabolism is at, 
where your performance is at and what you need to change to make sure that you can crush your goals. If you would like to find the old episodes that are disappearing off of the Spotify and Apple iTunes, they are on Patreon and that is another way you can support the show. You can also leave us a five-star review or tag us in Instagram. All the fun things that make other people find us, and I really appreciate that. If you have any requests for episode topics, for the mini episodes, send those in too. Find me on Instagram at hillsport55. I love chatting with you guys, and there's lots of pictures of my very insane three-year-old who does wild things, and that's pretty fun, but there's also some cool running pics as well. All right, that's it. Here is Alyssa. All right, welcome back to the next episode of the Trail Running Women podcast. We have a special episode for you today where we're going to dive into mental toughness. And I decided for a co-host slash interview for this episode, we would have none other than the former guest, Alyssa, who has a huge resume of amazing things that you have done. So the last time you were on the show was like almost two years ago now after completing 95 marathons in 95 days. And since then, you have done so many amazing things that I cannot wait to hear about. So welcome back. Thanks for having me. I cannot believe it's been two years. That's insane. Isn't that bananas? And I was just thinking, because you said beginning of COVID when you did those marathons, right? So am I right? Is it two years? Yeah, yeah. It's um, almost exactly two years because I stopped in July of 2020. Holy. Okay. And so since then you have done some podcasting coaches on the run. I know you guys aren't as active anymore, but that is still up there that people can go check out as well. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, kind of, unfortunately, this is why I'm so amazed by you because life kind of smacked me across the face and I was like, I can't do it anymore. And you're still doing it. Still awesome. So very impressed. Well, thank you. I've only gone down to every other week and that has made it a lot better, but it has just been like every time I think maybe I'll take a break, somebody's like, oh, I have this story to tell and it ends up being epic and I'm like, oh, I need to do this. Anyways, whole other podcast talking about that, but let's get to know you a little bit for the people that maybe are new listeners. Um, Why don't you tell us how old you are, where you're living and the types of races? I don't know how to summarize all of the amazing things you've done. So you tell me, what's your elevator pitch? Yeah, so I am 29, slowly inching my way to ultra running, you know, like the sweet spot, as I say. Um, I currently live in Monterey, California, but I've kind of lived all over the place because my husband is military. Um, And then I am, I work for a school. I'm not a teacher anymore, but I work as a director of student activities. I coach and I run um, professionally. In basically, I just try to find like the most masochistic type of FKTs or races out there uh, because you wouldn't want to just do like a fun, nice 50K. You have to pick like things that make you suffer for days. So yeah, that that's pretty much like I pick the nastiest, hardest, uh, make you cry type of ultras out there. Well, I think that's why we're friends. Uh, We were just chatting before. We like races where there's little actual running and more torture, I guess is the right word. Um, But you are on a completely different scale than me. So before we get into the mental toughness that it's taken to do some of these races, tell us about um, the last few races, including the 300 mile race that you have done and um, your most recent kind of endeavors. Yeah, so I guess... 
some of the things that I've done since uh, running marathons. Um, so I've done the Ura 100, which is, I you should absolutely do that. My God, you would be fantastic. There's no running, um, which is like 42, 43K of elevation all above like 8,000. It's like hard rock, but uh, harder um, elevation wise. So I did that 100 miler. Um, and then it was in preparation for Tour de Jean, which again, didn't go well. That's another story. Um, so I decided to do an FKT on the Pinhoti Trail, which is in Georgia and Alabama. Um, it's kind of the start of the Appalachian Trail slash Appalachian Mountains, um, even though it's slightly different. Uh, and that is 350 miles and like 50,000 feet of vert. Uh, but 350 miles is, is a a whole other life to live in a, in a time. Um, and then I've also, let's see, I did a recent FKT running up Mount Whitney, which also combines some, we'll call it light mountaineering, um, and also the risk of death. So that's fun. And then I've done a couple of other races since then. Um, and I'm gearing up for, one of the UTMB races and Moab. So that's kind of things I've done since then. And they've definitely tested me in other ways of mental toughness. But I think that mental toughness is again, like a muscle. And it's also something that you can continuously draw upon when you're in tough moments where you're like, ah, yes, well, I did this so that I know I can do this again, or like I can relate this experience something I've done in the past. So I think it's something you just continuously, like, for example, this weekend I'm building up and I had 12 hours of running to do over two days. And yesterday morning I was lying face down on my bed being like, my God, I don't want to go out and run for six hours again. But I think that you continuously live in like this mind expansion thing. And so if you keep allowing your mind to expand, it's like, ah, six hours isn't that bad. Um, and the other thing I was thinking about is, sorry, this is a tangent, but how we rely so often on motivation. And I actually don't think motivation is a particularly effective means of getting yourself to go out because motivation is so fleeting. Like I have students who will come up to me and be like, well, I didn't get my paper done because I wasn't motivated. And I'm like, I don't really care about motivation. I think that you have to think more about your determination. And if your determination is high, motivation comes and goes. And so I think relying a lot less on that um, emotion and more on your determination is a far more effective strategy. So yeah, that's my tangent. <laughs> Amazing. So many things there. Yes, I should have taken notes. I was thinking that as well, that and we will get into everything in more detail, but I just want to um, highlight what you said, where like you can grow it like a muscle where you start to think it becomes more reasonable in your brain. And I was thinking it yesterday where, so I ran when we recorded this a 50 K two days ago, 50 K race. That was, um, there was snow and over 8,000 feet. So for 50 K, it was pretty nice. Um, yeah. And yeah, she there's cried. Enough, there's enough in there. <laughs> um, but it's, so it's slow going, mm -hmm. but in my mind, it felt so short and so fast because I guess that, muscle has been expanded to expect like a 17 20 hour day or whatever 
But I remember back the first time you like hit six hours or 30K in a race and you're like, oh my good God, what am I doing? So you can totally get where your comfort zone is way bigger. Sorry if you can hear footprints. That's my dog that wants his morning hug. Hi, buddy. Um, my cats are running. Let's break down some of the things that you said and start with like, okay, so what's the tangible advice we can give you? Um, and let's start with getting out the door every day. So, I mean, your marathons is such a great like thing to pull from, but even just training. Um, so why don't you give us your top piece of advice for getting out the door every day, especially if you are tired and don't want to start? Yeah. I mean, I think that it, first of all, it takes preparing yourself the night before. Like I'm such a huge advocate that if everything is prepared the night before you have so many less excuses to get out the door so it's like get your running pack ready get your bag ready if you're driving somewhere like your your post workout stuff um because if you don't have it ready and you wake up and you're like scrambling around and it's taking extra time like that can excuse me really start to add up of just like reasons not to go um but i think that really the biggest thing is you have to find something that motivates not sorry, I'm using motivation, but like something that matters to you. If you pick a race or you pick an event and you just don't really care about it that much, like it's not going to get you outside, get outside the door. Like I pick things that I, I thought about this the other day, or I thought about this maybe like a year ago. I was like, I wonder if everyone else thinks about a goal they have like multiple, multiple times a day. Like when I pick a race, I obsess over it. Like I can't probably tell you a day where I'm not thinking about that goal. And I always wonder like how many other people. So I guess this is a question for you, Hillary. Like when you pick a race or an FKT, say you, it's like eight months out from when you're going to do it. Like, do you think about that every single day? You know, what's funny. I used to, um, and it would totally consume me. And then I would be in the like, having to have something after that because I knew my post goal like letdown was going to be also mm-hmm. massive and then like you and I were talking a bit before the stress of the outcome started to get to be a lot um combined with the amount of like shit to deal with parenting um yeah. where I don't as much anymore I know it's there, but I like bring it back to just thinking about what I have to get done that day. Um, And that seems to be a pretty good system, but I guess like it's looming. Maybe like not, I guess maybe not like that you're thinking about it obsessively of like, it's a bad thing. It's just like, it's there because it's important. And I'm sure that your brain, yeah, like your brain has so much more taken up by the space of keeping a child alive than mine does. Um, But it's like, it's something that's important enough that you think about it, that like it, it, it helps those times where you're like, I don't really want to run. That. Yeah, totally. And it like, so when I first did Ironman, that was the first race that I did that I was like, okay, this is going to be really, really, really long. And I wrote down hundred thousand million times like every single day every time I had a minute like how fast I could run um a half marathon after riding I don't even remember what is it 100 
90k or whatever how fast I knew I could ride the route how fast I could swim 2k 3k 4k um and every time that I did it a little bit faster I like rearranged my split goals um so yeah like and then doing that too brought the distance into something that was easier for my mind to comprehend because I had like gone over it so many times yeah yeah and I think that that's super helpful I guess um building off of that one of the things that my coach has me do before races is that he always says imagine don't like we so often visualize everything going right because people tell us to visualize and he always tells me to uh visualize when thing like things going wrong he's like so if you feel terrible in this moment or like everything's going wrong what are you gonna do and I, it's not that you have to be like a Debbie Downer, but when you get into the race and you've practiced things going badly or things not going as, expe- as expected, like you're so much more prepared than if you visualize everything going right all the time, because that's never going to happen. Or like maybe once in twice in your career. So I think that visualizing things like not going well and being able to handle it actually really helps. Totally. I really agree with that. And I think what happens too is say you're like half a day into a race and you're super depleted, you might not have the mental energy to make the best decision in that time anyway. So you want it to be muscle memory and you've already gone through this and you know what the decision is. So you don't have to use any brain power that maybe isn't there to make that decision. And I think the interesting part of that is that goes back to exactly what you said about having your routine set up and take the decision away for that day. So it's kind of already done because you do get decision fatigue. So the same thing can happen in a race and the same thing can happen every morning. If you have a routine and a habit, you don't have to make any decisions in the morning. You just have to pick up your bag and go having the decisions gone. And then for me too, it is in my brain is like tomorrow morning I'm going for my run. Not like I hope that I get up at 5am and get out the door for my run. It's sort of something that I know is part of my day and there's not any question about it, which I think is helpful too. So it's the same as you know you're going to drive your car to work or you know you're going to put on pants. It's the same idea. It's not this maybe I'll try to fit in my run tomorrow or I hope that I get my run in tomorrow. Know when you're going to do it and it's in your schedule and then that's it. And then when you get to that time, whether it be the morning or the lunch or the after work, it's already in your schedule as a meeting, as something that you know you're going to do. Totally. Much to sometimes my husband's chagrin, he, I'm like, but it's not optional. He's like, well, but it kind of is. I'm like, but, but no, no, it's not optional. Like I will <laughs> go out and do this run. Like I always say, cause I mean, it is, and I'm lucky to be in the situation. I'm like, no, but this is part of my job. Like my job is being a runner, like not as much as other people, but my job's like being a coach. So it's like, I don't not show up to my job just because I don't feel like it or like, you know, I don't have time for it. It's like, no, no, this is part of my day. Um, So I think, you know, if you frame it and, and when I say it's my job, I'm not trying to say it's a burden. It's just trying to, I think so often we put it in this category again of like you're saying being optional. And I think that, you absolutely like I say all of this it's like you absolutely have to listen to yourself so like if you're exhausted if you're borderline injured 
if also you're just having a really bad day, like that is a reason not to go out. That's also maybe a reason not to go to work. Um, but I think that if you put it as like, this is really important to me. This is something that matters to me. Like saying this is part of, you know, my day, this is part of my job, I think gives you the space, space to not make it optional. If that makes sense. Totally. And I don't think we're saying like, oh, go hard. Like make sure that you push past everything. We are talking about tips that will make it easier. So if you find that you are lacking with your determination, that you don't really have to think about it. And that makes it so much easier. If the decision's already made, then you don't have to worry about it. Totally. So let's move on to actually running. So during hard workouts, whether that be a really long workout and we can maybe tie this into during hard races but I kind of think sometimes it's nice well I get asked as well when you're in the middle of like three times or sorry five times three minute hill reps or something like that where it's pretty short overall it's only 15 minutes of hard running but it's a hard three minutes then because you're running fast and you know you have to do it five times so if you had a hill workout a sprint workout a long interval what kind of things do you do to get through the reps and to hold those paces? Well, I used to try to avoid it. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I just didn't train speed. <laughs> um, but then I got a coach and I was like, okay, no, this is good. Um, I think, so for me, I, I think one of the things that always helps me is like nothing lasts forever. So, you know, it's like, yes, this is hard for three minutes, but I always do like in the scheme of things, three minutes really isn't that bad. Um, so I, I tr again, try to put things in perspective, but I've also shifted my mindset to, to one of gratitude where it's like, well, I'm really lucky that I get to be in this position where I'm challenging myself to go hard and like, I'm healthy enough to be able to do this. And so I try to think about attacking it versus um, like dragging myself into it. And that was a huge thing that I really had to change in my mindset about speed work was like, this isn't just this horrible thing that's always going to go badly. It's like, no, I'm lucky I get to do this and this is going to make me better, a better athlete. Um, so just my overall mindset approaching those moments. And then when I'm actually in them again, just being like, you know, nothing lasts forever. Like this is going to end. And I also, I visualize like what, why I'm doing it. So I'll think about like, you know, this is the last little climb before, you know, like maybe you're going to like do really well in a race. And so I often, I can almost like see the race itself in those hard moments it's like I want to do well in that race more than I want to give up on this workout and so I've I've thought a lot about that recently because there's been a number of times in like in the Pinhoti and then in a race I did just recently where it's like your desire to succeed whatever succeed means is stronger than your desire to release yourself from the pain and so it's like I was nauseous for basically like 20 hours of a 20 hour race and I was like my desire to finish this and not give up on myself is stronger than at the end of the day just like a bad stomach ache so I think you just have to 
really consider like these are working towards a goal that I have is my desire to reach that goal stronger than honestly like temporary relief. I want to take a quick break to introduce our new sponsor who has a product I literally use every day. So I started taking AG1 from Athletic Greens because I needed a greens powder that A, actually tastes good, and B, something that had 75 high quality vitamins and minerals, whole food source ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens so that I could recover from my super hard runs. And a few days before I race, I start cutting out actual fruits and vegetables so that I don't get digestive upset during long runs. So this is key to feeling good. I just had my best race and I swear it's because of the recovery and the bonus benefits I am getting from AG1 from Athletic Greens. So it is lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. It has less than one gram of sugar, no GMO, no nasty chemicals, and no artificial anything while still tasting good. And it costs less than $3 a day. So you're investing your health and it's cheaper than our coffee. It has over 7,000 five-star reviews and it's recommended by professional athletes all around the world. It is 100% helping with sleep and recovery. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is gonna give you one free year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash TRWP. Again, that's athleticgreens.com backslash TRWP for Trail Running Women Podcast to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And I will link to that in the show notes as well. It kind of goes along the same lines and almost sounds a little bit corny, but self-talk is super important. And sometimes when I'm like right at the edge in that rep or something, I like to think okay, so this is actually when I get faster. This is when I get fitter. So it takes a while to get there. You have to warm up. You have to do enough reps. It has to be pushing hard enough. So then when I get to that part where I'm thinking, oh man, this is so tough. I would like to stop or pull over on the side of the sidewalk to tell myself I've made it here. This is where I get fitter. If I can take 10 more steps past wanting to stop, then I'm going to be faster and better at running up hills. And that really helps. Um, also thinking about future self. So when I'm in the car or eating dinner, just that feeling of satisfaction after you have finished something hard is really oh, yeah. nice. And sometimes that helps. And during it as well, and I do this in races too, if you just tell yourself you feel good, your body, your, your brain can tell your body to feel different. And there are studies where there's people like running on a treadmill and they look at either sad faces or happy faces and their perceived pain is significantly less when they're looking at the happy faces. So if you can just tell yourself you're happy or smile or think a good thought, you can make it hurt less, which is kind of cool as well. Yeah, that's awesome. And it makes total sense. Um, and it's so easy to do. Yeah. It's easy to do at six in the morning when you're drinking coffee, but... <laughs> No, I I mean it I kind of coined or like not coined the term but called it mental cheerleading where and that's something that I really advocate especially in ultras because there is just so much distance where you have to you can't think about the whole thing. No one can. It just gets really hard to to deal with mentally. And so I always call it like mental cheerleading the successes that you have. So 
instead of being like, oh my gosh, I have five reps left. Be like, I nailed three reps of this and I have, well, I only have two left. Like I'm over halfway. Um, and so I always think about like what I've done and celebrate celebrating that versus what I have left and being like upset or overwhelmed by that. Totally. I definitely do that as well. And I also don't commit to all of them. So my training partner knows that sometimes I will say, okay, I don't actually feel that great today. So if we have five reps, for example, for sake of this podcast, I'm only going to do three because I don't think I should do five today. And she just goes, oh, okay. Knowing that a hundred percent of the time I get to three and I'm like, well, we did three, let's do two more. And sometimes if you just, like you said, you don't think about the whole distance. You don't have to think about the whole workout. Just think about, I'm going to get two done and I'm going to reevaluate where I'm at at that time. And just biting off little bits at a time makes a huge difference. So let's kind of, I think all of those things work for hard workouts, but they're also pretty transferable into long, hard races. So I'm wondering if when you said in the notes, extremely shitty race, but wanted to finish what you started, was that the puke fest or the nauseousness? Yes. Yes. That actually just happened recently. And um, it was one of those things where I was like, well, I went into it super tired and I was like, oh, this is going to go really well or really badly. <laughs> and it went really badly. But it's on a part of the race course that I have DNF twice. It's not the whole thing, but like part of it. And I was just like, I am not coming here and failing again at this effing race. Like I'm not, I'm not going to do that to myself. Um, and so the birth so it's like Europe, apparently you've been getting into night race, night starts too, is that. I, this is like my first, I've run through the night a bajillion times, but I've never started in the night. And I think my stomach is just like, I did not sleep enough. My eating is weird to start. And so from like this start, I was just like, wow, I'm really nauseous. And like, this is going to go away. This will go away when the sun comes up and it just never went away. I was like dry heaving and all the fun stuff and puking and all that. and. I mean, I felt terrible, but I think you also get to a point in your career where you're just like, yeah, I could stop, but that's not really why I came here. And also, I think if you have DNF'd, you know how as soon as you pull the plug, you'll probably feel fine. And then you'll get really mad at yourself of like, I can't believe I stopped um, because my I like I had a stomach ache. And I should have kept going. And so I was laying on a um, cot with about, well, they always say it's like, it was like 23 kilometers. It was like over 30 to go. And I was just going, all right, I can DNF right now. And no one would blame me. No one would be like, ah, you should have kept going. Like, what a whim. Or I can suck it up. I can not do as well as... I know I'm capable of doing and I can finish this race and finish what I started. And I, again, going back to the, like, which do you want more? Like I, I didn't want to fail yet again at this race that means so much to me or like in this area. 
Um, so I was like, well, I'm going to go walk for like 30, 35 K. And I ended up running some of it. I ended up laying down, but I also think there's something to be said when you're always trying to be competitive in races to kind of let that go and realize like you can still do hard things, even if it's not at the level of competition you expect of yourself. It's like, you can still do it. And there's something kind of funnily defiant about just being like, I am walking right now and I could be running, but I'm not going to because I don't want to. And I told myself I could walk. So that's kind of a long way of basically saying that like, absolutely like medical issues, if you are extremely dehydrated or like injured or anything like that, absolutely stop. But I think there's also always another level even if it means walking that you're going to be really proud of yourself for finishing what you started and I kind of jokingly in my head the cutoff I think was like 33 hours and I kept just saying 32.59 like all you need is 32.59 and I ended up doing it faster than that but again these things are so hard and it's not like there's so much to be proud of by whatever time you manage to pull off, even if it's not your expectations. And I think we saw that a lot. I was following Hard Rock some, and there was a number of amazing runners who were just like, yep, everything went out the door and I just finished. And I think that's really cool to see as well. Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. I think sometimes we put the pressure on ourselves and I find that when you get a pro runner who says, oh, I just ran this for fun or it wasn't going to be my day, but I didn't want to drop out because I still wanted to finish this hard race, even if my results aren't going to look like I'm as high up in the running world as I should be. I have so much respect for that. And that helps me so much because then I'm like, okay, if I'm just a regular Joe that runs races sometimes. You're not a regular Joe though. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm definitely nowhere near like a pro runner. You know what I mean? So there's your people that do pretty well in races quite often. And then there's the actual pro runners where if you show up against them, you're just never going to do well. And I feel like those people can still just finish races and be okay with wherever they are in the standings and not have it affect their identity and for some reason we get so wrapped up in in thinking other people are going to care and I think how that's relatable to everybody is sometimes you have no idea how long these races are going to take so I often have athletes that are like what should my goal time be and I said well let's have three goals and say your first one is six hours because we kind of roughly know the terrain and we know that maybe you can do that but if you get halfway in six hours is not going to happen nine hours, 12 hours, and then maybe just finishing the race are amazing goals because you just ran 50K, 100K, or 25K. And most people are not even attempting to run in the trails. So being realistic and proud of what you've accomplished too without expectation or just whatever you have on that day. I think that all kind of ties into some of the stuff that you were saying. Totally. I also just read something that hopefully is helpful, but uh, 
Mike Foote, who's like an amazing runner, he came in second to Killian at Hard Rock, uh, I think a few years ago. And he was saying like, I don't think, or I know I'm never going to be the fastest out there, but I'm going to be the most durable. And I just think that's such good advice of being durable because it takes off some of the pressure of like, I have to be fast. It's like, at the end of the day, I mean, just from watching my own race kind of go down the toilet, to be quite literal, um, in Italy, like watching my own race, like when we started out, there was about five women who were all really close together. And I was like, one of us, at least one of us is going to have an absolutely terrible time out here. Like it's not going to go well. Um, it happened to be me, which I was not expecting. Um, but if you just remain durable, like there's just so much time and there's so many factors that go into an ultra that if you just keep putting your best foot forward and managing, um, the things that come up and being durable, like not breaking your anchor, like, you know, not, um, allowing like the the obstacles to come in the way of finishing you can do really well and so I just thought like I mean if you look at western states where you're like oh my gosh they're running you know so fast and doing so well it's like no every single person's race report is like and then I was puking at this point or like I had to take a 20 minute nap at this aid station and they'll still come in like fifth and you're going wow. So when I think my race is just, you know, like tits up, it's really not. And someone else is having a, probably having a hard time. Like no one is getting through this scot-free. So I think that just keeping that in mind and just almost like recognizing other people's humanity, but just being a little bit more durable is a really helpful thing to remember. A hundred percent, especially in the ultra world and things can change so fast. So like you said, just keep moving because you don't know what's going to happen. Okay. We're going to wrap up here pretty quickly, but I want to make sure we've got everything that we wanted to say out. So before we finish, if you had your, say your top two pieces of advice for our listeners next race when they are in their lowest low, what are your top two go-to pieces of mental toughness advice? Uh, one of my favorite saying is sayings is it almost always never gets worse. So like how you feel, you're probably going to come out of it pretty soon. And it's probably not going to get worse than this. It could, but the chances are that it's probably not. So it's going to pass and you're going to feel better. Um, I think the other part is something my coach really advocates is that you can try to avoid getting too attached to your highest high or your lowest low. So like watching yourself almost as if you were a ghost from the outside being like, oh, look, Alyssa's having an incredibly low low. Like that's okay because it is what it is. And also with the highs, because you can get really attached to the highs. And then when they go away, you're like, oh my God, now I'm never going to feel as good. It's like, if you can detach yourself from those extreme swings in emotion, it's going to go a lot better. 
those are way better pieces of advice than I was going to offer. I love both of those. My, <laughs> you, t- the stuff you've done is so freaking crazy. Uh, my main one that I tell myself all the time is nothing lasts forever. Everything changes. And that kind of goes with, I will feel better, but the nothing, nothing lasts forever piece has been very beneficial to me because as we we're talking about, when you get into some races where it's very technical or just slow going, sometimes it can, or you, or you have to walk. It can be really demoralizing to think, okay, an hour's gone by and I've made it two miles or whatever it be and think, oh my God, this is my life now. (laughs) This is just where I live because it's not, it will change and nothing, you're not going to be walking on this mountain for the rest of your life. And if you think that you might be, drop out and get medical attention. Um, and that, I mean, that helped having an infant too, because you also are like, oh man, is this my life now? Up all night? It's not. Everything changes. That's science. Um, and then to further that, if that's not helping me, I think about the finish line. I just daydream about the hamburger, the chips, the friends, the beer, laying face down on the ground as soon as I pass the line and just get excited about how satisfying that moment is going to be, given how shitty I feel right now. And eventually, feelings just pass. They just do. Everything just changes. And that has been super helpful in almost every race I've ever run in my life. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I think I remember with Pinhoti, I think it was at mile 200. So just a casual 150 left. And I said to my crew, I was like, I'm never running again. Like, or no, not I'm never running again. I was like, as soon as I touch the sign to end this, I am not running. You are picking me up, putting me in the car, and I I refuse to walk or move for like five days. And they were like, okay, <laughs> you don't, we won't make you run or walk. But I think sometimes just promising, promising yourself or like thinking about that finish is okay because you're like, one day I won't have to run and this will be great. Yeah, exactly. Like you just got to kind of use the tool you have. So run the mile you're in, break it down, but also allow yourself to just daydream about the fun of the end every once in a while and go easy on yourself. I totally agree. All right. Well, I cannot think of a person that I would have rather have had this chat with. The things that you said that you have done are absolutely amazing. If our listeners want to creep on you and find out what races you've done and see the photos and see what you are training for next, where can they find you? So the best place is probably Instagram. I I can't commit to the ticky talk. I'm trying, but I can't. I'll get there. Um, but my Instagram name or handle is uh theory t-h-e-o-r-y underscore in underscore motion um and that's where you can message me check out what i'm doing um i had a website it's currently down it'll be up at some point uh but yeah that's or facebook or you can email me at a-k-a-m-o-s-1-3 at gmail Yeah. Amazing. And I will link to the Instagram on the show notes as well so that everybody has an easy place to find you. Uh, I'm trying to think if I have a fun last question for you. What, what are you, what are you going to go do right now after this? Um, I 
actually might go back to bed. Um, <laughs> yeah, this I this weekend it was like sixty plus miles of running, and I have to. I'm in graduate school right now, along oh with you're amazing work, and I have like twenty eight hours of training to do this week, so I might go take a little nap before I have to go to school and be a contributing member to my class. Well, that is uh, absolutely totally fair. Okay, my last question for you is, what is a mentally harder situation? A hard training day or a rest day? Um, I'm actually, so you know how you were saying, like, thinking of the finish line? I'm psyched about today's rest day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, I realized as I said that, maybe this is the wrong time to ask that, but. No, honestly, normally it's the rest day. And my coach will be like, I said you could do, like, one thing. I'm like, but one is three. But, like, climbing doesn't count. Or, yeah, so normally it's the rest day today. Hi, Baker. Oh. Say hi. And we finished just in time. The little guy is awake. Nice. We're finishing a podcast, Patty. All right. Well, you go back and have a fantastic nap. And thank you so much for this. And I can't wait to see all of the things that you accomplish in the rest of your life. This is Jeff Harrell, host of the Big Ass Runner Trail Running Podcast. I know you just enjoyed an amazing episode of Trail Running Women with Hillary, but maybe you've got more miles to cover. You're not quite done with your training run. Well, we would love for you to take us along for the ride. That's the Big Ass Runner Trail Running Podcast. Our goal is to entertain and encourage the everyday runner. We have a lot of fun. We have a lot of different segments. We would love to go on your next run with you. Check us out. That's the Big Ass Runner Trail Running Podcast.